Hello and welcome to the Family Brand Podcast. My name is Chris. I'm a husband, a father, and an entrepreneur. My name's Melissa, and I am a wife, mother, former nurse turned real estate investor. And we believe the greatest gift you can give your child is a last name that stands for something. Your last name is your family's brand. If you are a parent who wants to raise your child to know who they are, love who they are, and believe in who they are, this show is for you. We promise to bring you real and authentic conversations with parents and experts who are committed to making their family their life's most important work. This show will help you take a stand for your family and to raise your children by design, not default. Well, welcome everyone and welcome back to the Family Brand Podcast. I am really honored and uh, my wife says my favorite word is stoked. I'm really stoked as well to have Michael Hyatt joining us back on the family brand podcast. So Michael, this is uh you are a you are our first returning guest uh on the podcast that we've had twice now. Well, thank you. I'm honored. In fact, I thought you were going to say you're our first repeat offender, but <laughs> glad to join you. No, we we loved having uh Michael as, as I know so many of you did. Uh you know, we we brought him on the first time to talk about uh, he and his daughter Megan's book, Mind Your Mindset, which is a fantastic book. And if you listen to that episode, you'll find out that he shares a lot of nuggets and wisdom in in addition to the book, Mind Your Mindset, just about their adventure and their experience and their journey of raising five adult, you know, now adult daughters and just had some amazing nuggets and wisdom uh, in that episode. And today's really exciting because I guess, Michael, the best way of saying it is relaunching a really incredible, already best-selling book that you wrote uh, called Your Best Year Ever, right? So tell us, what has authors sometimes relaunch a book? Because it seems pretty rare. I mean, I see it happening, but what? Tell us about how long ago it was written, all what it what it went into, and then we'll get into like some of the, the real benefits because I've read the first uh, version. So this book originally came out in 2000, 2017. It is my best-selling book of all time. It was the Wall Street Journal, uh, USA Today, I don't know, Publishers Weekly, bestseller. So uh, it's done really, really well, but we felt like it was time to revise and expand it because there's some new goal achievement research, which we've included in the book. There's, uh, there's some new application. We've reordered some of the content. But overall, there's about 20%, 20 25% new content in the book. So this is the new improved version. And one of the things you'll find in the in the publishing world is if somebody does a revised and expanded edition, often there's a relaunch that accompanies that because, you know, in five years, there's a whole new audience, a whole new crop of people that have never heard of it. So we're just sure. trying to put some emphasis on it. That's amazing. And, and, and one of the things that Michael knows this about me that I talk a lot about in my consulting coaching company is helping entrepreneurs and organizations get really clear on their identity, right? Like, what do you want to be known for? And Michael actually gave me the opportunity to come out and do that with some of their business clients. So Michael, I would say that if, if we were asking you personally in the world of business, what, what are you known for? I would argue, I'm curious what you would say, it is around goal setting. Like you're one of the foremost thought leaders and experts, and that's kind of what you've built a lot of your, your brand and your early success on was around this idea of goal setting. Would you, am I off on that? Uh, no, I think that's that's right. I mean, it's been various things at various times because I I tend to dabble in a lot of different things. One of my top strengths is learner, so I'm always learning things. But I would say the core 
of who I am and who my company is, is all around, and we say it, goal achievement. Now, mm. that necessarily entails goal setting and productivity. Those are the two halves that make up goal achievement because just setting the goal is not enough. You know, most yeah. people I know that set a goal, they actually want to achieve it. And that, that takes some productivity hacks. I wrote another book on that called Free to Focus. But those two books are kind of the seminal uh, books that make up who I am as a public figure and make up my company's mission. Yeah, I love that. In, in the book, actually, or there's an amazing website that we're going to tell you all about called yourbestyoureverbook.com, which has some amazing resources. And one of the things you talk about on there is not being a resolutioner. Yeah. Right. Like not being one of these people that we've all been guilty of being, which is setting all these incredible resolutions and goals. But I love the idea of it's not goal setting, it's goal achievement. What had you, Michael, go down that path? Like what what had you at one time in your life, what what occurred to you around goals that was like, man, that I wanna I wanna really pursue that and become a master of it. And I'm sure it started by becoming a student first. Well, it it did and and all the way back to college. I got in the habit of setting goals in that week between Christmas and New Year's. And futuristic is also one of my top five strengths on strengths finders. And so I had just always had this practice of setting goals in, and I'd refined it. I've read every book that there is out there on goal setting or goal achievement. And so um, at the time, I had a membership site. This was back in 2000 and maybe 15 14, something like that. It was called Platform University. And my daughter, Megan, who's now the CEO of Full Focus, came to me and she said, Dad, we need a, a topic for you to teach on for December. And, and we thought that goal setting would be a great topic for you to talk about. She said, as long as I've known you, which is my whole life, uh, she said, uh, you've been a goal setter. And I know that that's a, a set, central kind of conviction that you have. And so we'd like you to teach on that. So I had a business partner in Platform University, and he said, no, 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 no. That doesn't need to be uh, merely a session for Platform University. That needs to be a full-blown course. Mm. So we decided to shoot this course, and this, this is crazy to think about it, but Megan and I got in an airplane. We flew to Toronto where we were going to shoot it. That's where my business partner lived. And that's where the film crew that he had hired to shoot it lived. And we just said on this short, you know, kind of time fuse, let's go to Toronto and shoot it. So literally on the airplane up there, Megan and I were outlining what the course was going to be. And the crazy thing is that outline hasn't changed in 10 years. It's, wow. it's the basic outline of the book. Uh, we've revised the course several times. We've had over 50,000 people pay and go through the course. We've sold over a quarter of a million copies, well over a quarter of a million copies of the book. And, and so it, you know, it just keeps going. But that basic outline that we came up with on the plane is still the outline. Now, since that time, we've gotten way more sophisticated. We've you know, done the deep research on goal achievement. And as it turns out, there's a lot of it out there. So we've done the research. We've found the practical examples. I feel like it's gotten better every year. And again, we're going to do this next year, uh, this same event next year on January the 5th, 2024. So it'll be a, a big virtual event where people can come and go through the course and leave with all their goals for 2024. And all you have to do is buy a copy of the book. That's your ticket. You'll get a 
essentially a $197 ticket. That's what people will pay who don't buy the book. But if you buy the book, that ticket's built in. That's amazing. Yeah, and if, would, you, would you suggest, Michael, the best website is yourbestyearoverbook.com? Yes, go to that uh, website because that have a link to all the major retailers and most people know the drill by now. Go buy the book, save the order number or the receipt, come back to yourbestyearoverbook.com, enter that in, and you'll we'll send you via email the ticket to the virtual event with all the login instructions. Yeah, it's remarkable. I, I, I'm going to do it. I would encourage all of you to do it. I mean, awesome. It's for the price of an amazing book. You also get this incredible event live. I mean, it's virtual, but it's still be live with Michael and Megan. Uh, and look, there's a principle also that I want to highlight in this that you hear us talk about sometimes with, with family brand. And that is, you know, Michael and Megan got on a plane and in, in some ways kind of built the parachute on the way down. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it's like take action on the things that are important to you and kind of start before you feel like you're ready. You know, I think sometimes so many of us are waiting for something to happen before we feel like we're ready. So I love that that principle. The second thing I was going to talk about, Michael, is I would say that in my experience of talking with individuals, whether that's entrepreneurs or not, the term goals has more of a negative connotation and pressure mm. and heaviness around it than it does a real freedom and like possibility. And why do you think that is? What's created that? And, you know, that's, and I could be off on that, but that's been my experience of a lot of people is yeah. well, there's is a lot heaviness of around gold. There's a lot of reasons. It'd be fun to unpack this, but there's a lot of reasons. One is that I think people confuse goals with resolutions. And most people set New Year's resolutions, but very few people accomplish them. In fact, most people abandon them within the first couple of months. But a goal is not a resolution. It's more than a resolution. Sometimes people buy into this uh, law of attraction theory, which is, is not bad. It just doesn't go far enough. You know, if, in other words, if you have clarity about your future and if you, you've expressed it in written form in a goal, that's going to begin to move you in the direction. I've heard you talk about this, Chris, where we, we use our language, we use our words to begin to create the future and create reality. And that's part of what makes goal setting work. But it's not enough if you don't take action. If you just think that you can set the goal, you know, put it up on your wall and then sit back and and put your life in autopilot and you're going to you know move toward that goal that's not going to necessarily happen there's got to be action so you either design the future or you drift into the future and nobody's mm. ever drifted to a destination they would have chosen you only drift to bad outcomes that's so amazing if you want better outcomes you've got to design them yeah, if there's something to write down, uh, take a note on and maybe reshare it on your Instagram stories. No one has ever drifted into a future they would have chosen. Exactly right. Right? So you're either going to design your way into the future or you're going to drift your way into the future. And connecting some dots here, you're saying that by setting goals and achieving those goals, working to achieve them, that's how you design your way into the future. And without that, you're, you're going to drift into the future and arrive somewhere. Absolutely. But, but I will say, Chris, that because... People tend to have that negative attitude toward goals. It's kind of like people would love it if they could actually accomplish their goals, but they're skeptical. And they're skeptical based on their experience. And so that's why the first two sections of the book, which talk about limiting beliefs and completing the past, those are like pre-planning, sort of a pre-planning checklist that you've got to get the mindset part of this thing right 
and kind of clear out the garbage that you may have accumulated in your pursuit of goals that you, so that you can start fresh and really be in the, in the realm of possibility, not in the realm of skepticism and survival and defeat and all the rest. Yeah. One of the things we've been talking about a lot lately, um, you know, because again, you know this, Michael, but in my coaching consulting, we're all about possibility. It's the mm -hmm. word we talk about more than anything. And lately we're saying, look, you can either pursue what's possible or you can live in limitation. So we're either, we're either pursuing possibility or without knowing it, we're pursuing limitation. And I, that was my favorite part of the best year ever when I read it was that you didn't jump in on chapter one and say, okay, here's our framework for setting goals and achieving goals. It was first, here's our framework and our approach to get the mind right and have a powerful, empowering, possibility-focused mindset going into, yes. you know, because it's not going to serve you if you go into goal setting looking for it not to work. <laughs> no. I mean, that sounds, it might sound obvious, but that's what a lot of us do. We set a goal and we, or, or we'll say out loud what's important to us. And then our mind immediately starts looking for it not to work and why it won't work and why it can't happen and why it won't happen. And it's like we kill the possibility before it even has a chance to take any roots versus setting the goal and now actually looking for it to work, working towards it to work, thinking it can work, believing it can work. Well, now it has a chance at least. Totally. That first section is called Believe the Possibility. Yeah, and that's where we begin to unpack uh, those limited beliefs. And, and the way I set it up is I say, you know, the future is a blank canvas. It hasn't been painted yet. It hasn't been written yet. Anything, literally anything, is possible. And so you need to approach it that way. But unfortunately, as you mentioned, as people begin to think about the future, they begin to surface these limiting beliefs that cut their legs out from under them. And so we have a process, I have a process in the book where I talk about how do you become more self-aware of limiting beliefs? And so I would say the key thing, there's, there's got to be awareness so that, you know, maybe we think there's something I'd like to have. And, and this is a distinction that's subtle, but it's important. There's a difference between an aspiration and a goal. So for example, an aspiration is I want to have a better marriage. A goal is I'm going to have a date night with my wife every Tuesday night, starting at 6 p.m., and I'm going to do that for the next 90 days. I mean, that's a goal. So people have this aspiration that's kind of vague, but even as they begin to think in the aspirational stage, they might have these thoughts. They might think, oh, my partner would never be on board for that. Or we tried marriage counseling before, and it didn't work. And these are all these limiting beliefs that are, that are crowding in and so I have a process in the book that, that I outlined where, you know, the first thing is be worried. You probably have some limiting beliefs. I still have limiting beliefs. They're like barnacles on a ship. If you're out there sailing through the ocean of life, barnacles are going to collect on the hull of your life. And totally every year, at least I, I just get those cleared out. So I think what my aspirations are, and I sit down with a journal. I mean, you just do this with a, you know, notepad and just say, okay, what are the first thoughts that come to my mind about why I can't do that? You know, I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm not smart enough. I don't have the right connections. I don't have the right education. Nobody really likes me. You know, whatever it is, uh, they could be personal limiting beliefs. They could be limiting beliefs about other people. Like we might think, oh, well, that person, you know, is, is just not committed to my future like I'm committed to my future. 
or that, you know, that person um, just doesn't like me. I mean, it could be any number of limiting beliefs about other people, but it could also be limiting beliefs about the world. Right. We might be thinking we're on the cusp of a recession, and so I really can't start that new business. The economy's terrible. Well, lots of businesses start in the middle of a recession and do exceedingly well. I mean, I, I know most of my clients, not all of them, but most of my clients during the COVID pandemic did exceedingly well because they didn't let that become a limiting belief. So you've got to identify those limiting beliefs, and I suggest you write them down because our language reveals our thinking. And so you want to know what you're thinking, just what is what are the sentences inside your head? What's what I talked about in Mind Your Mindset, what's the narrator saying to you about that future that you stated and desire, but now you're you're kind of, you know, short-circuiting yourself? Then what you've got to do is transform those into liberating truths. You know, like you might say, if you had the limiting belief that now would be a terrible time to start a new business because the economy is just not great. Well, what's the liberating truth? Liberating truth might look like something like, um, lots of businesses succeed in the midst of a economic downturn, or lots of businesses were started and mushroomed during a recession. So you sure. just gotta, you just gotta re-engineer that so that it becomes a liberating truth. So it puts possibility back into the equation. I love that. That what Michael just shared for the last several minutes is so profound. And if there's nothing else that you got out of this interview or even the book itself. I hope you go read the book and I hope you do the entire process, but just this one principle. And I had someone yesterday, Michael, who I've mentored and coached. And he said, when you first told me, Chris, that most human beings are spending most of their time in language, thinking and talking about what they don't want, what they don't like, what they don't have and what isn't working. And then they're surprised that a lot of things in their life are what they don't want, what they don't like, what they don't have, and then what they aren't working. And he said, when you pointed it out to me, and he said, when you gave me that simple challenge of, I just want you to start for the next 30 days to only try, to try and only think and talk about what you do like, what you do have, what you do want, what is working. People have no idea how much better their lives could be oh if gosh. they just made one shift from limiting belief to liberating truth. And I loved that, you know, when you talked about that in the book the first time, you know, like limiting belief. Yeah, I've tried to get in shape before and I'll, I'll, it'll never happen. I'll always be unhealthy. Liberating truth could be, you know what? I am committed to trying to improve my health. Yep. Just, just the shift that that's aspirational. And then the goal could be, and I'm going to hire a personal trainer and get to the gym three days a week. That's a goal. Yep. And I love your distinction between aspirations is I'd love to improve my health, which is useful. It the is. goal is there's actionable, measurable timelines and deadlines and things like that. But just this, I, just this one principle of, I think most people don't realize, Michael, they are, they're fighting harder for what they don't want than what they do. Yep. And if you told them that on the surface, they'd be like, well, no, I, I would never fight harder for what I don't want. I had a woman recently who wanted to coach with me and hire me as a one-on-one -on -one coach. She got done telling me, I never thought I could find someone like you who could coach me in my family, my life, my faith, my health, my business, like all the things that are important to me. And, and we're talking about how amazing it could be. And then before I ever said a word, she goes, but I know I can't afford it. She has no idea what I charge. She has no idea if I would give it to her for free, but her mind immediately starts looking for why it can't happen, why it won't work, right? And so I just, I love this idea of just that if we can clear that out and wash that out a little bit and like get people's minds right 
and start looking for the things they actually want and saying it with language, like saying out loud, here's what I want, here's what's important to me, and then get that into a form of a goal, well, yeah, your odds go up significantly Probably. of actually achieving it. Well, and I think that we we have to be kind to ourselves because when we're having those limiting beliefs, it's our brain, especially our primitive brain, doing its job, which is to keep us alive and to keep us, you know, safe. Uh, and so, you know, that that works really well when you're being charged by a tiger or being accosted in a dark alleyway by somebody with a gun. But in regular life and in goal setting, it doesn't really serve us. So it will see our brain is constantly on the alert for threats and how could we avoid those threats? And one of the best ways to play it safe is to not take any chances, not take any risks. And yet all the good stuff in life happens in the discomfort zone. Nothing, yeah. nothing good happens in the comfort zone. You know, the comfort zone is where we're sitting around, you know, just eating junk food and, and watching TV. That's very comfortable place to be, but nothing good happens there. It's when we decide to venture out of our comfort zone and do something that makes us a little uncomfortable where we experience the breakthroughs and get to uh, take our life to a next level. Totally. Yeah. No, I, I agree that idea of having a little bit of compassion on ourselves. And, and look, I believe that the, that the framework Michael and Megan have created around goal setting and goal achieving is remarkable. And I truly believe that the magic, if you will, of their whole approach is the part on mindset. And it is the part of helping you see that you have limiting beliefs and, and not, not vilifying that, like not making it a bad thing to have limiting beliefs. We all have limiting beliefs. It's actually just encouraging and just saying, look, we have them. I love the quote by James. Uh, it's going to skip me now, but I'll, I'll, you know, you, you cannot change what you refuse to confront. Yes. So if we just, if we just like, I, I, I don't even want to look at those limiting beliefs. I don't want, well, yeah, you can't, you can't ever. So confronting them is it's confronting, but there's a real usefulness in it. So it's like, Hey, let's just, let's just equal the playing field. We all have limiting beliefs. Let us take you through a process to identify those. Let us take you through a process then to convert those from limiting beliefs to limit, liberating truths, which now what you did is you just almost, you went from looking for the limitation to now looking for the possibility, yep. which I love what you said, believe the possibility. Is that mm -hmm. your phrase? That's where it all starts. And if you'll keep going now that there's possibility, you know, possibility to aspiration to goal, it's just, it's, it's so profound. It's where you've got to start. And, and that, that section of the book moves naturally into the second section of the book, which is complete the past. And so many people drag the worst of the past into the best of their future and pollute it. And so there's got to be a process where we're able to acknowledge the past. And for many of us, as we look back on this last year, there were probably disappointments there may be things that happened that were catastrophic, some, something that was traumatic in our past. And there were probably good things and really amazing things. And oftentimes those coexist in the same year, but they've got to be acknowledged and they've got to be sort of, you've got to close the chapter on those things. Otherwise, you're going to drag those into the future and they too will limit what you achieve. So for example, if you set out um, to accomplish a certain sales goal, like let's just say that you're in sales or you own your own company and you set out to, to accomplish a sales goal and you missed it. Well, if you don't complete the past, then what will happen is you'll find that that shuts down mm. what you think you can do in the future. And so I was literally just having a con conversation with a, 
with a client here a few weeks ago, one of my personal coaching clients, and they were really frustrated, downcast, because their biggest sales initiative of the year, they had missed the goal by 7%. So they achieved 93% of the goal, they missed it by 7%. And I mean, this, this woman, who my coach, was really in a funk about it. She was not happy with herself. She wasn't sure she was gonna continue her business. By the way, multi-million dollar business, employees, I don't know, a lot of people. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. Um, did you improve your results over the prior year? She said, oh yeah. I said, how much? She said, 36%. I said, okay, I'm here to offer you perspective. <laughs> and, and she was about to go, by the way, into a team meeting where, where she was just dreading it because she felt like she'd let down her team because she had set a goal. They had set a goal collectively and they missed it, and she didn't know how to put lipstick on the pig and make it a good thing. I said, you don't need to put lipstick on the pig. I said, you've got to acknowledge the miss, and just and, it, and the conversation would look like this. You know, hey guys, we just completed our biggest launch of the year, and I gotta admit, we missed our goal by 7%. We had this as a goal, we achieved this, we missed it by 7%, and I'm very competitive, and I hate missing any goal. But that's not the whole story. Because the rest of the story is, we were 36% up over last year. That's huge. And so you have a choice. And Dan Sullivan calls this focusing on the gain rather than the gap. He's got a terrific book called The Gain and the Gap. And a lot of people focus on that gap. They get in the gap. They so are, are myopic about that 7% right? that not only do they discourage themselves because what you focus on grows and has a bigger impact on you. But you'll discourage yourself, but you'll also really discourage your, your team. Now, if you go into that meeting with the employees, I said to her, and all you did was talk about the 36% and were just dismissive of the 7%, they would say, well, she doesn't take goal setting seriously and she's too dismissive of that and it's disingenuous. But if you only focus on the 7% and don't acknowledge the 36%, they're going to leave discouraged. So the best thing you can bring as a leader to any group meeting is your perspective. And yeah. so you've got to give perspective. You've got to help them process. This is key. Process failure. Because on the surface, it looks like failure. And certainly, you could look at it through that frame. But you could also look at it through the frame of enormous success. And you got to do a little bit of both to complete the past so it doesn't creep up as you begin to set goals and throttle you just like a governor on a on an engine, keep you from going as fast or reach your potential. Does that make sense? Love that. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And I had this, I had this uh, visual of someone literally like dragging the worst of their past into the present, but then pulling the worst possible scenarios from the future into their present. Yes. And I feel like we do that so much. And I've said this before that we're not even aware of it, but we spend so much time living in the regret of our past and the worry of our future that we have very little energy left over yep. to actually live in the one place life is actually happening, which is the present. So it's like our ability to actually think about what's possible, think about our aspirations, translate those into goals. It's like we almost have no capacity for it because I love your phrase if we're dragging the worst of the past, then I would add we're pulling you know, the worst case scenario of the future 
into the present and it just, it just crams us. It just, it just squeezes the life and the possibility out of us. But if it's like, no, I'm going to complete the past. I'm going to create my future, you know? And, um, but I just, I could talk all day long about this idea of just either we're in limitation or in possibility. And look, there's also something really powerful, I think in this, where when you, when you help someone confront their limiting beliefs, you're also helping them take a hundred percent responsibility for their life. Yeah. Cause if, because otherwise it could be easy for me to say like, well, it's not all on me and it's, it's the economy or it's my boss or it's my team or it's my, and so one of the things that she did in there too, is she went in there and she accepted 100% responsibility of like, Hey, I'm the owner of the company. I'm the leader of the company and I'll accept hundred percent responsibility for why we didn't achieve our goal. Right. And I own that, that man. You talk about building goodwill with your team, or even if you did that in a family, right. It's like, and I can also acknowledge you know, so it's an, it doesn't have to be these either ors. I think we get into that a lot as individuals. It's like, well, either I did it or I'm a failure or either I did. It's like, well, what if it could be an and? What if it's like, we didn't hit our goal and man, we can really acknowledge that we did some great things. It's, it's true. I mean, it's not binary, binary. It's a sliding scale or it's two dials, you know? And I think we have to, to look at it through a different kind of paradigm. And I think that that's, that's so important. And I, I think that failure is inevitable if you're going to accomplish something big. And in fact, I, I look at it this way. If I, if I don't fail to achieve 15 to 20% of my goals in a given year, I was shooting too low. Mm. And what often happens to people, and, and we see this with sales teams, um, you know, they miss a goal, sales management, choose them out. What's the natural thing they're going to do? Do you think they're going to set a, a big goal for the next year? Heck no. Right. Right. They're going to just dial it way back and, and just, they're going to ask themselves a question. How much can I raise this goal or how can I raise this goal in a way that's the smallest possible amount and management will still approve it because yeah. I don't want to get yelled at again next year. Totally. Uh, Matt on our team who does a lot of our culture work, he said something pretty bold the other day that raised some eyebrows in a meeting. And he said, I think performance management was created because of bad leadership. <laughs> this idea that we have to, we have to manage performance, right? Yeah. And it's a, kind of that same thing of like, and everyone's just scared to death. There's no liberation. There's no freedom in it around possibility. It's just like, you know, and one of the things that I think is interesting about this idea of the mindset, looking for the liberating truth, creating those aspirations, goal setting, goal achievement is in the context of a family, right? Like I can take myself through this process. Melissa and I could go through the process together and identify where we could, we, we have combined limiting beliefs, right? She has hers. I have mine where we have combined limiting beliefs. We also have combined aspirations. We mm. have combined limiting, liberating truths. And then we could have combined marriage goals. And then we could do it as a family. Each of my kids could do it for themselves. So what I'm kind of seeing in this is we have individual limiting beliefs that can be liber liberating truths. We have couple limiting beliefs that can be liberating truths. And we have whole family limiting Definitely. beliefs that could become liberating truths, you know, and I'm seeing the possibility of that, you know, for our whole family. This whole goal setting process, and we, we should get into the smarter framework, but this whole goal setting process is so powerful for couples to do, hmm. you know, you, it's, it's hard to get alignment unless you've agreed on where you're going. Yeah. And goal setting is a way to agree on the destination. And so there'll be some goals that you have that are shared. There'll be some goals that you have are individual, but in a healthy marriage, you can really support each other in your goals. And even for the first, I hate to admit this, but even the first couple of years after I, I did your best year ever, Gail just wasn't on board. She said, you know, goal setting's your thing. It's not my thing. 
So you just do you and I'll, I'll support you, but I'm just not a goal setter. So finally, about the third year into it, I said, I wonder if you would do me a favor. Would you just come to the event and sit through it? And, and if it works for you, great. If it doesn't, I'm not going to shame you. I'm not going to ever ask you to come again. But I just, I, I think you might be surprised. So she came. She loved it. She ended up teaching this at our church. <laughs> she ended up getting another small group together. She's been a coach at all of our events. She absolutely loves it. And the beauty about it is that she said, this is a goal-setting system that works even for people that don't consider themselves to be goal-setters. I love that. So, so yeah, it can be powerful in your family, be powerful in your marriage, powerful with your kids. I've had even my grandkids come to the live event and sit there and write out their goals just like everybody else and get really excited about the next year. Well, this is amazing timing. I mean, there's no coincidence probably on that, right, Michael? The the release of the the revisited edition towards the end of the year. And you look, and, and so look, I, I'm going to take advantage of this for me, for my marriage, for my family, and encourage you to do the same. Uh, the live training, I believe, is on January 5th. That's correct. Uh, the all actual day. virtual event uh, all day. And so what, a, what an incredible time to do this and kick off the year with some real momentum, which I actually want to talk about here in a second, this idea of winning, because I love that mm. on the website, what it means to really win. But talk about, you said you wanted to talk just a little bit about the SMARTER framework. Yeah, so we've all heard of the SMART framework of goal setting. GE came up with that back in the 60s. But uh, I've tried to improve upon that because I felt like there were some things that weren't quite right based on the latest goal achievement research and also based on uh, just kind of some missing pieces that I think that, that make it richer and deeper and more likely that if you uh, state the goal right, you'll achieve it. Mm. You know, I, I say a goal well conceived is a goal half achieved. So to, to conceive of it in the right way and to write it down in the right way is important. So the SMARTER framework, it's an acronym. So specific and measurable. You know, the more specific you make it, the more you can quantify it, the more likely you are to accomplish it. We've all heard that. It's part of the SMART framework. But it needs to be actionable. You need to start every goal with an action verb, not a to-be verb, but an action verb, something you're going to do. Now, here's where I diverge from the conventional model, the R. So for the, the traditional model, that means you need realistic goals. Here's the problem. Realistic goals are way overrated. And in fact, the latest goal achievement research says that if you set a goal that's realistic, you're much less likely to achieve it because you think, oh, this is a slam dunk. I don't need to expend the effort. I don't need to ignite my imagination. I don't really need to focus. It's just going to happen. No, the goal needs to be, and the R in my system stands for risky. You need to dial it out of the comfort zone into the discomfort zone. Now, the, the way that you know you've moved from the comfort zone to the discomfort zone is you feel uncomfortable, okay? Yeah. So I look for three specific emotions, fear, uncertainty, and doubt, FUD. So if I begin to feel like, as I'm setting this goal, I, I might fail. I may not actually achieve this. Yeah. That's great. That's a great emotion. <laughs> Second emotion, uncertainty. I don't know how I'm going to achieve this. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I don't see the path. Great. That's going to require innovation. It's going to require your best thinking. Doubt. I'm not sure I've got what it takes to, to achieve this goal. I, I could believe it for somebody else, but I'm not sure I can believe it for myself. Awesome. That means you're in the discomfort zone. Now, Got to be careful. You don't want it in the delusional zone. So if you dial it up too far, 
then your brain won't believe it either and you'll give up before you start. So you don't want that. So risky. Then it's got to be time-bound. That's pretty much the conventional model. There needs to be a deadline for sure. Then it needs to be exciting. So this is a key component that a lot of people miss when it comes to goal setting. They do things they feel they ought to do because mom and dad want them to do it. Their boss wants them to do it. Their spouse wants them to do it. No, you've, you've got to find this intrinsic motivation that gets you excited or you won't follow through, particularly when it gets to the messy middle. And then the R, the last R, means it needs to be relevant, relevant to your season of life. You know, not all, not all goals would be wise to take on at the season of life that you're in right now. So you got to sure. consider that as well. So that's the smarter framework. I love it. I love, I love the addition of the E and the, and the R. Exciting, you know, probably not super useful if any of your goals live in the should, supposed to, I have That's to, right. I need to. Even, even language around that. Like one of the things I would caution you around as you move through this process and you start thinking about what's important to you next year. One of the things that we've shared, and I think we, uh, for those of you who don't know, Melissa and I have been, had the blessing and the, the privilege recently of having Michael and Gail actually go through Family Brand with us in a small group. And it was just so amazing to have them. So awesome. And, and one of the things that we really encourage in families, and we talk about this on, in our program and on some podcasts, is really encouraging individuals and families collectively to eliminate words and phrases like should, supposed to, need to, have to. It's, it's limiting language. It's not, it doesn't yeah. have any possibility in it. And so when you say a goal that's exciting, that, that has language around it like, I want to, I can't wait to, I'm committed to, I'm excited for. There's no, I should, or I need to, or I have to, or I'm supposed to. And so I really love that one about something that excites you. I, I had a student one time from Your Best Year Ever who asked a question at the end of one of the sessions, and he said, gosh, I've got this goal for this next year, which is basically to clean up my filing system and get everything organized. And I just don't have the motivation. And I said, well, that's a project, not a goal. Oh, oh I like that. You can, you can have it as a project. Just don't right. take that for a goal. You want, to, you want that excitement on the goal. And so there are things that all of us are going to do. There are going to be hundreds of projects that we do during the year. Some of them we can be excited about. Some of them we don't have to be excited about. But reserve for, for the goal language. Make sure that you're excited about that goal. Yeah, the, what would get me excited about a goal like that, Michael, is if I set a goal for someone on my team to organize our filing. There you go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, I think that's a great, but I think it's really, care, I think you're, what you're saying though is really profound. Like be careful around the language because language just creates. I had this conversation with my son today at lunch, my oldest son who homeschools. And he was, he was talking about how lately he just seems like his life's working better. And I asked him why. And he said, well, you know, I've for a while now as haven't, you know, with homeschool, having to be a bit self-driven and self-motivated, I'm always telling myself, I'm not good at keeping a schedule. I'm not good at being consistent. I'm not good at, and we worked on that. And he's like, I just started telling myself a different story. I said, I really want to get better at being consistent. I want to get better at following a schedule. I'm committed to, if that's the only thing he could point to as to why things have, it's so like, again, language creates, it's just to, to a degree that we can't even fathom how much language creates. It's, it literally, our words are a programming language. All of us are programmers. And the words that we're using are programming our thinking and our actions, and they're delivering those results. So we have to be intentional. 
And around our house and around our company, we kind of make it fun. So if somebody would say something like, you know, I'm just not very good with technology. Somebody would pipe in and say, if you say so, because that's totally just a programming thing. And you don't have yeah. to program yourself that way. You could, you could say to yourself, for example, like I'm learning about technology or I'm getting, I'm better than I was with technology or I'm getting better. Totally. You know, there's a thousand one ways to program yourself. That's not limiting. I love that. Only if you say so. Yeah, I guess if you say so. It's just fun. Yeah. Um, so one of, one of the last things I want to touch on, uh, Michael, and, and be sensitive to your time is I love this emphasis on um, your bestyeareverbook.com website, that this idea of to really win in life, W-I-N. And one of the things that I will talk about in one of the talks I give is all around how to, I call it commit to lead and play to win. Hmm. I'm encouraging people to like commit to be a leader, whatever that means in any area of your life and play to win. And sometimes people say, play what to win? I'm like the game of life, you know, like, and because I think it's actually easy if you're not careful without even realizing you've done it, you actually start playing not to lose. Yes. Or you're playing to play, but you're not. So there's three different stages. And I talk to companies about this all the time. Everyone thinks, I shouldn't say everyone, a lot of people think they're playing to win, myself included at times. And then I really look at my life and I can see, well, I think I'm playing to win and I'm actually kind of just playing to play. Mm -hmm. I'm going through the motions. I'm trying. And then there's some areas I can actually realize, no, I'm playing not to lose. I'm kind of on the sidelines, really operating in scarcity. So yeah, we just talk more about this idea of like what it really means to win and, and that you know desire that you have to see people win in 2024 and how the book can help them win. I, I think it's really important, Chris, for people to define the win. What does winning look like? And that may look different for all of us. Yeah. But, you know, if it's your marriage, you know, having a, a marriage where we can coexist and not be yelling at each other and, you know, kind of getting through life. I mean, that, that to me is not really a win. You know, that's where you're settling for kind of the status quo or something. Maybe, maybe it's a little bit better than what you have now, but would you define that as a win? And, and that's where we got to be in this place of possibility at the beginning where we think, you know, aspirational, what do I really want? Well, I want an amazing marriage. I want a marriage that gets better every year. I want a marriage that, you know, I've been married 45 years. I want a marriage where my spouse is my very best friend, my mm. confidant, my best friend, my lover, all these things. And to begin to express that and again, to believe the possibility. But I think it begins with defining the win. What does it look like to win with your kids? You know, and, and from my perspective, um, I played the long game when it came to my kids. And believe me, we had really rough years with some of these kids. And I raised five daughters, Gail and I did. And there were times when we weren't convinced that it was going to turn out okay. You know, we thought, oh my God, somebody's going to end up in jail or somebody's going to end up pregnant or, you know, you could just go to the worst case scenario. But today I've got five adult daughters, all who live within 30 minutes of my house. My 10 grandchildren live within five minutes of my house. My daughters are all best friends. We hang out all together as a family all the time. And somehow it worked out. But I've, I can promise you that started with programming ourselves with the right language and mm. not getting discouraged with the mistakes because we made plenty of them and not getting discouraged along the way because there's always that messy middle, the, the place where you're at, you know, you start off all hopeful when they're small and, you know, hopefully it's going to all turn out, but there's this messy middle between the beginning and the end. And you got to have a way to persevere through that 
And I think goal setting is a great, great way to do that. No, I love I love that, and I totally agree. And 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 that was what's so confronting about parenting. And Melissa and I talk about this all the time. Like, you know, literally, there's some days where I'm like, yeah, they're gonna show up at my house this afternoon and give me Parent of the Year award. I'm just expecting it. <laughs> and literally, the next morning, I'm like, man, I better prepay for my kids' therapy someday because I'm ruining this. Like, in less than a 24 hour period of time, you know, it's just so confronting. But I love that, and I think a lot of times what's happened, Michael, is we don't even realize we haven't defined what winning would look like. Mm -hmm. So it's it's going to be more difficult to win without a definition of just like it's going to be a difficult to achieve a goal without it without it being defined. And I think sometimes we're playing to play or playing not to lose, not intentionally. We just kind right. of have drifted there, kind of like you said. And so it's like let's design what winning would look like, and that's to me playing not to lose is pretty much. I'm just going to sit on the sidelines and I'm just going to see what happens. Yeah. Right. Playing to play is I'll put in a little bit of effort. I'll try, but I'll go through the motions. Playing to win is like, no, I have decided that I'm going to win. Like, it's not even like I'm trying to, I expect to win. I intend to win, but I've earned that right because I've defined what it looks like. I've, I've done the work to translate my limiting beliefs to liberating truths. I've created these aspirations. I've created these goals. And I just believe too, one of the things I want to tell families is like, you deserve to win. Because mm -hmm. I think so many times when you're in the thick of it and you're raising kids, it just, I would say that most families on a given day don't feel like they're winning. My, me included oh. a lot of times. It's like, we're just keeping our heads above water. We're just the messy middle. And so it's like to once in a while feel like you're winning in your life, you're winning in your marriage, you're winning in your, your parenting. So I want more families, more individuals, more couples to feel like they're winning. And to your point, I you know, a, a really effective mindset, goal setting, goal achievement process. What better thing could there do, you know, could there be to help people not just feel like they're winning, but actually experience some wins? One of the most important roles that Gail and I feel like we have with our adult children is to remind them that they're winning uh, because it's very easy to get discouraged. And we have our fourth daughter just has, has had our newest grandson and he's about 15 months old and man, she's in the thick of it where it's really high demand and little sleep and frustration and all that. And we just keep saying to her, you're doing a great job. You're a fantastic mother. You're winning more than you think. And she just needs to hear that. That's life giving, right? Yeah. Because that, that inner narrator and the feedback that she's getting is not positive. And so if there's not a, another voice that can, that can counteract that. And by the way, we can be that for our spouses. We can be that for our kids. We can be totally. that for our parents, but we have to be the people. And I think this is part of our mission as humans is to remind people of where they're winning. Because again, to offer people perspective is very helpful. Yeah. When we lose perspective, we get discouraged. I spoke about this a little bit at the event that, that uh, came out to with you. And it's like this idea that I think we underestimate how few of people there are out there that actually have another person who's consistently speaking possibility and life mm -hmm. into them and acknowledging them and telling them they're doing great. Like, like luckily your daughters have that. I have a client recently who decided to handpick this, you know, woman in this practice who he believed had a lot of potential and wanted to just speak possibility in her and breathe life in her, which the word inspire actually means to breathe into. Right. And he starts doing it. And the more he does it, he said, the worse she behaves, Chris. He's like, I can't, I don't get it. And I said, I have a, I have a theory. I've seen this before. And he said, what is it? I said, I think she's feels so unworthy mm. that she's going to self-sabotage herself because she's probably never had someone believe in her, yep. speak possibility in her or, or help her see that she's, she's worth this. And he confronted her with that and basically shared that. And she goes, 
Yeah. She goes, I'm 60 years old and you're the first person in my life in 60 years that's ever believed in me or wow. spoke any kind of possibility. And it's like, and now if we've grown up in somewhat of a healthy family and have some, I just think we take for granted though, how few of people have someone in their life who on a consistent basis is helping them see the wins. And so I, I didn't even think we would go here, but I think that's a really great conversation that part of this idea of winning is it, more likely if you define it, but then also we have a responsibility as leaders to speak possibility into people and help them see they're winning. And man, what an opportunity we have to do that inside of families. Well, that's, that's also where goal setting could be a, a great tool, a great tool for people to begin to see what's possible and to begin to move towards their potential. And, and lots of people have given up on themselves. You know, they yeah. just said, you know, the life that I have is the life that I have, and I'm going to settle for it. And yeah, I mean, you can see it in people's expressions, uh, their exhaustion and all the rest. And I think that the goal setting, if you can help reframe that and see it as a mechanism for scaling the mountains that they want to scale and achieving the things that they want to achieve, then it becomes a life-giving tool that breathes possibility back into them so that they create a different future uh, for them. And it's not just for them, but they're creating a future for themselves, for their families, and for the generations to come. Well, that's that's a be that's beautiful. And I think a, a beautiful way to wrap this up, Michael. And and look, this has been a gift. Like you've you've spoken possibility into me in this, and I see new possibilities around who I've been, around goal setting, goal achievement, who I want to become and be a better example and a better demonstration to Melissa and my children around this. And so, you know, again, I'd really encourage all of you to go to yourbestyeareverbook.com. Uh, buy the book. For the cost of the book, you get a $200 ticket to an all-day live event, January 5th, that you and your family can attend. I plan on having as many of my children there as I can, and Melissa, to kick the year off with momentum, really make sure that we win in 2024. And look, I think the other thing is we need more good people out there winning because the world benefits. When You're the type of person I know listening to this that when you win, everyone wins. You're not the type of person listening to this that when you win, you keep it for yourself or it's like a zero-sum game. No, when you win, that's the thing I think Michael's talking about. If I win, Melissa wins. My family wins. My children win. My community wins. And so, Michael, thanks for, as always, it's a pleasure. Thanks for I can't it. wait to have you be our first three-peat uh, <laughs> returning guest. We'll just, keep this, we'll just keep this going. Well, it's my joy and my honor. Thank you for having me on again. Okay, well, thank you, everyone. Uh, yourbestyearverbook.com. Make sure you get that bot before the end of the year as quickly as possible so that you can take advantage of the uh, free training and uh, we'll talk to you soon and i'm going to leave you with believe the possibility thank you so much for listening to the family brand podcast to say thank you we have something really awesome we'd love to share with you you know we often hear from families who will tell us that they just feel so overwhelmed because of the demands that are placed on them they feel like they're constantly being pulled in so many different directions and spread thin and they're spending time as a family but they don't feel like it's quality time they're not really connected and they want to be more intentional and we can certainly relate because we felt like that at one point in, in our family and so we created a guide that allowed us to really be more confident around how we spend time as a family and what we say yes to and what we say no to and it's just brought so much more peace into our home it's made our lives so much more simple and we want to share it with you so if you go to familybrand.com forward slash free, you can download the how to take back your family's time guide. And I can promise you it'll give you more confidence and more peace in your life than your family. One last thing, we feel so inspired when we hear from families that we are making a difference for them. We would love it if you would leave us a five-star rating and a review on the podcast so we can reach even more amazing families. We truly believe that the way we change the world is one family at a time.